0: We continue learning in John chapter 6 about the Eucharist. The whole chapter is dedicated to this most sublime sacrament, the greatest gift God has given us. Chapter 6 is basically broke down into two parts. Part 1, Jesus is at pains to tell the people that he is, in fact, God in the flesh. So there's an emphasis on his divinity and the corresponding faith, of the people. And that's crucial because unless you believe in the divinity of Christ, you cannot possibly begin to enter into the mystery of his real presence in the Eucharist. And so a couple of weeks ago, the Gospel focused on the first miracle set forth in John chapter 6, which was the multiplication of loaves and fish, a spectacular miracle, because Jesus was able to take just five loaves and feed 5,000. And the first reading of that Sunday had Elisha, another great prophet in the Old Testament, only able to multiply 20 loaves to feed 100. Jesus, during his great miracle of the multiplication, actually uses the words of institution, which he will repeat at the Last Supper. So it's oriented toward the Eucharist. The very next miracle is Jesus walking on the water His disciples are in distress, they're in the boat, there's a storm, and Jesus walks to the boat and says, It is I, do not be afraid. And the phrase, it is I, is the actual name of God in the Old Testament, Yahweh, that was disclosed to Moses by God from the burning bush. Jesus is making that claim. And in today's gospel, Jesus will verbalize what was demonstrated through the miracles. For example, he compares himself to the manna. Just as the manna had its origin from heaven, Jesus has his origin from heaven. He's the true manna that has come down from heaven. That's one point. And then Jesus quotes the prophet Isaiah, who says basically during the time of the Messiah, they will all be taught by God. And here is Jesus' teaching. And finally, Jesus says that he has seen the face of the Father. And the Old Testament is clear that no one can see the face of God and live. That is then the context of the first part of the great chapter six, which emphasizes belief. But now Jesus moves into the second aspect of the chapter, which emphasizes to consume, to eat his flesh. And that is a tremendous gift that we have been given. Jesus says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Now the emphasis is on living bread and that's a reference back to the tree of life in the Garden of Eden. Jesus is the fulfillment of that tree of life. Whoever eats of him has eternal life which he will set forth In next Sunday's gospel now there's many examples throughout history and in literature of consuming God in this great sacrament I'll just give two instances of history during the Vietnam War the Archbishop of Saigon Francis Xavier Van Thuan was arrested by the communists they felt he was a threat they put him in prison for 13 years Nine of which was in solitary confinement. And during his confinement, he was prohibited from celebrating the holy sacrifice of the Mass or receiving the Eucharist. But he was permitted to write letters to friends outside the prison. And when he did, he would ask them to send him what he called his medicine. And they knew what he meant. They would send him cough medicine bottles filled with wine with small bits of bread. And every day during that solitary confinement at 3 p.m., the very time Jesus was put to death on the cross, this cardinal would place drops of wine in the palm of his hand, mingle it with water, and celebrate Mass. And he would write later when he was released from prison, that is what gave him the strength to carry on all those years, and carry on in such a way that he had communion with God, not just in the Eucharist, but through his prayers. Now in literature, there is the great trilogy, Lord of the Rings, and J.R.R. R. Tolkien, who was a very great Catholic, told the story of a long journey by a few hobbits. And if you remember the story, hobbits had no power, but they were tasked to bring a ring to Mount Doom and throw it into the fire so as to destroy this great evil. And they formed a fellowship and they embarked on their perilous journey. At the beginning of the journey, something very important happened. The elves, who represent angels, gave these hobbits what is called the Waybread of the Elves, or lambas, these little wafers. And the elves told the hobbits that if you get in trouble and you're fatigued and you can't go on, and even before that, as you're journeying, take one a day of the lambas, and it will give you that strength to carry on. In the return of the king, Tolkien writes, quote, As for himself, though weary and under a shadow of fear, Sam, who was one of the hobbits, still had some strength left. The Lambas had a virtue without which they long ago would have laid down to die. It did not satisfy desire, and at times Sam's mind was filled with the memories of food and the longing for simple bread and meats, and yet this waybread bread of the elves had a potency that increased as travelers relied on it alone and did not mingle it with other foods. It fed the will, it gave strength to endure and to master sinew and limb beyond the measure of mortal kind. It's a great image in that trilogy. And it represents, of course, the Eucharist. Finally, we get to the first reading where we have a similar story of the great prophet Elijah, who was also on a journey. And just as these hobbits were being pursued by evil, who wanted to destroy them, far more powerful than they were, Elijah was being pursued by a powerful force. (coughs) The wicked queen Jezebel was so angry because Elijah won a great victory on Mount Carmel and was victorious over the hundreds of false prophets. And after his victory, he had them put to death. And now she's pursuing to destroy him. And, as the first reading says, Elijah went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a solitary broom tree and asked that he might die. It is enough now, O Lord, he says. Take away my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. And he laid down, and he wanted to die. He fell asleep, and suddenly an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And he looked, and there at the head was a cake baked of hot stones and a jar of water. He ate and drank. He lay down again. The angel awoke him again and said, eat. And he did a second time. And he was able to get up and finish his journey all the way to the great Mount Horeb. Now, let's make this applicable to us today. We're on a journey. And sometimes life can be very, very difficult, as we all know. We can get to a point where we want to give up, whether it's health issues or losing a job or maybe in a pandemic as we are. We can lose heart. We get so exhausted and we get a sense that there's an enemy pursuing us, tempting us, either condemning us for past actions or Giving us new temptations to sin, and we can say, Lord, it's enough. Take me home. And this is where the Eucharist comes into play. Jesus deliberately, on the last night before he died, instituted the sacrament where we can take part now in his very flesh, his body, blood, soul, and divinity, and be strengthened. And be strengthened to not just survive, but to thrive in our lives. And do things that we could never imagine doing. And especially when we combine receiving the Eucharist with prayer and reading scripture, trusting God, and there he is, urging us on and saying, yes, you can make it. And we, in our journey, are inviting now others to join us to receive this special bread, the very body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ. Let us rejoice this day in this wonderful gift and combine faith with our wonderful sacrament of the Eucharist.